0: Hi, this is Jordan. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I specialize in the gaming industry and today I am your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Ferriccio Sincamani, Brinley Gibson, Cyprian Laza and Frank Erickson to discuss the crunch the good, the bad, and the ugly. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some small introductions, shall we? Uh, Frank, do you want to kick us off?
1: Yes, I can do that. Um, I'm uh, Frank Ericsson. I'm working as a chief commercial officer at uh, G Loot, an online uh, eSport platform. Uh, I'm kind of new into the eSport gaming world. I started five years ago. Uh, with eye tracking from toby that's where i find esport i'm not a hardcore gamer i'm the kind of the backpack that people need to carry around and help out um but i love it and it's great um before esport i was 16 years in in ad tech building up a lot of different uh, ad tech solutions affiliates and retargeting companies and so forth so i've been in the startup business for 20 years since my seventh scale up startup so i love the kind of the whole crunch mode of a company.
2: <laughs> Brilliant, uh, Brindley? Hi, uh, I'm Britney Gibson. Uh, I'm an executive producer at Avalanche Studios and our self-publishing division, Systemic Reaction. So I've been making games for 18 years now uh, coming yeah no coming on to 19 and I've worked at places like uh, Lionhead and Sony London and three just over three years ago I moved to Malmö in Sweden where I set up the new location for Avalon Studios Uh, we made a game called uh, Second Extinction where you kill evil mutant dinosaurs in the near future and um, we've grown that studio from nobody up to now, around seventy-five people. So it's been quite a fun journey uh, the last few years.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Ciprian. Um, yep. Hi everyone. I'm Ciprian Lază. Uh,
3: I'm a senior development director at Dice, which is an EA studio. I've been with EA just over eleven years, and I was uh, fortunate enough to work on high-impact titles and shape franchises such as Battlefield and Star Wars Battlefront, and. Just recently, a couple of months ago, I finished an important phase of what was my biggest project up to date in my life, which was coming back from parental and yeah, growing a, a tiny human, my daughter, Lucia.
0: Excellent. And uh, last but certainly not least, Ferruccio.
4: Yes. Hi, I'm uh, Ferruccio Cinque I'm... Um I'm Italian, but I live in Sweden. I work uh, currently as a game designer at uh, Embark. Um, I have been working directly with uh, game making for 10 years now. Uh, and uh, although before that, I've been a game journalist for many, many years um, and also worked um, in uh, in marketing. Um, and so So yeah, I guess that's all. (laughs) I've been working in several positions always related to uh, game design um, in the game industry and uh, and a bit in QA, which I think might be relevant for today's discussion.
0: Excellent, thank you for that. So now that we've got a bit of a context to everyone, uh, let's move on to the topic in focus. You all have a question uh, relating to the crunch, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Uh, and as usual I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Uh, Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So let's start with Brinley.
2: Okay, well hello everyone. Um, I wanted to start off by asking the question of what do we actually define as crunch? Uh, Because the word gets used a lot. And I think some people are just using it to talk about some kind of overtime in games, uh, but for me, it's something I think a little more extreme. Um, and I'd be interested to hear everyone's takes, and uh, then I can put my ten cents into what I think it's actually it is. So yeah,
4: I can jump. I can just jump in. To me, crunch is essentially a, a extended. Period of routine, overtime, and stress. I mean, I guess if you have overtime, you're gonna have stress. So I guess that's how I would define it. But maybe not everybody's uh, not everybody agrees.
2: I like. I mean, I like I mean, how you said. Sorry, it was it's continuous, and you said it was uh, routine. That's quite an interesting combo uh, there, and I think. Yeah, I agree with you though on those points for sure. Sorry, Lazzer.
3: No, no, no worries. It's a, it's a very philosophical question, isn't it? What, what is exactly crunch? Because, I guess what we all think about, what we were talking just before the call is, uh, it's basically too much amount of work, too little time, ends up having overtime or being stressed. Um, but yeah, in reality, I think it's a very I'm very passionate about the topic. I'm I'm happy to be here today and talk more and see what what you guys think about it as well. Um, Because it always comes and has a negative connotation. So in the real world, there's no good, bad and ugly. It's just the bad and usually negative connotation things tend to be avoided or not being spoken of. And I think acknowledging it and making, you know, just acknowledging it, that it, it happens, it happens frequently is a first step, and maybe instead think about how to avoid it. And maybe in the future, it, it, you don't even have to talk about what actually defines a crunch. It's not crunch anymore. It's just a phase of the project at certain times. And yeah, I've seen, I guess, it crunches implemented differently at different phases. Sometimes they're more successful than others. And a bit like Peritio said, it's it time the time
1: frame in which it happens uh, matters as well. I can jump in here just to be a little the bad and the ugly. Uh, I have actually good experiences with crunches as well. I think it the uh, the reason why it comes out as bad and always occurring. I think that's a management problem. Uh, for and for most, I think a crunch for me in the ideal world is is a clear you know deadline you need to do something by a deadline, and it's a clear mission or a task you need to solve. That is not part of your regular day or business because you're developing something. This is of, over the top. We found something, we need to fix it. Let's come together. And you can actually make it to a positive. The key thing here is that if you do it too often, then your you know day-to-day planning is, is sucks. So I think uh, crunches is nice. And if you rally the people and everybody knows where the mission is, uh, I think it could be a positive thing. As you said here, and I think maybe you're saying the same thing. But if you do it too often, it's not a crunch; it's just bad management on a on a regular basis.
2: So I just want to throw in a couple of extra sort of thoughts on it. I mean, for me, like a period of moderate overtime, uh, or even an extreme one-off, you know, like it, you've got a kind of an unmovable deadline like GDC. Uh, that I I wouldn't actually put that in the the crunch category, and I agree. There actually can be some kind of great team memories that can come out of those experiences it's the kind of pernicious version uh, is the kind of the negative crunch the crunch that goes on for that longer period of time often without a clear end i think that was raised as well um but there's also a cultural element um you know it can be in a company where it's expected and that it's maybe not even enforced but you you can feel that tone that pressure comes down and then uh, that starts to create quite a toxic feeling. Um, and I also think crunch, you could be paying over time, but still have crunch. You know, you can still have an end date and still have crunch. You can even have it optional and it still be crunch because of the length of it, the scope of it uh, that could be happening. Um, I, mean, I was thinking, I, I was very lucky to uh, work with uh, Nintendo earlier in my career for quite a long time. And there... The, they had a very different sort of cultural look at what kind of putting extra hours in was and meant, and uh, that was quite interesting, uh, that kind of divide there. So I think that that's another thing to consider is actually like, we, I mean, I guess we're all, we're all in the Nordics, uh, so that's where we're kind of looking at those people. But yeah, in other parts of the world, I guess uh, what counts as crunch is going to be very different as well.
4: Yeah, I guess more than 20 hours of work starts to be considered be considered too much, I guess, in some parts <laughs> of the way. but yeah. I I have a I have a thing, like what, what you said, I recognize that there have been like nice moments and nice phases where it was like, yeah, we're working towards a goal, we want to put the extra effort in. Um, however, I would say I would say that even that is not completely, I don't know, it kind of rubs me the, the wrong way as well. Not so much because like because I think th- that is also one of the one of the reasons why our industry tends to churn people out so much. Mm. Because I saw that, for example, when I when I had when my kids were small, uh, I mean I still don't do generally I still don't do overtime but when my kids were small I would just I would just say no like I I really could because I couldn't because when you have to pick up the kid at school you have to pick up the kid at school and and you know of course like my partner sometimes was was doing that but I didn't see that so that part for me was non negotiable i wanted to pick up the kids uh, from school and and i understand that i had the, the privilege and the luck to work for companies that accommodated that for me but you know when it becomes part of the culture yeah just like just like, you know, going to the pub every day in a company might be a nice, I mean, it's a bit, you know, questionable for health reasons, but it might be a nice cultural thing. But it also cuts out a lot of people who, for whatever reason, uh, don't want to or cannot participate. So I, I think it's a bit dangerous even to think in terms of good overtime, bad overtime. To me, it's always a failure of of planning
2: when it happens. And yeah. I mean yeah, I would say
4: it's different but yeah
2: we it should never be never be planned I mean I have had a conversation where that was put to me like plan it put it in the schedule it's like no way is that gonna go into a plan like absolutely not um I do think it's got better I think studios have got better generally the industry is better uh the macho culture around it that was kind of developer up rather than management down I think that has improved I think that's uh, changed over the years as well for the for the better for sure
0: brilliant uh frank how about you next
1: for sure so i mean basically the question was more coming into how do we define the the, the crunch and and i how do we define the crunch and then also maybe ask how long should a crunch be I mean, that's putting two questions into one, but it's, I, I think they come together because it's how do you define it and how long should they be?
3: Yeah, I mean, the the first part of the question, I, I guess, is what we just discussed over, and uh, yeah, we can we can talk more about it, but uh, uh, what different definitely interesting to hear many different aspects like culture and geolocation and and all that bring brought into it. Uh, And I think when it comes to, if you really have to crunch, when it comes to length, if if it's such a thing as optimal, I would say the shorter, the the better or more efficient. Uh, You can only, you know, burn yourself out for so much. You can only fear uh, failure for so long until you accept it. And uh, in my opinion, it should not be longer than two weeks. Because after that, you just start performing less even during your regular hours. And you can only, yeah. So I think the shorter, the better. And I think in some cases, it can be used as a tool and it can be quite efficient if if the period is short and controlled. And as you said at the beginning, if you have a very clear deadline, if you have a very clear vision and basically a list of things to go through, which is more than you could have done if you didn't extend the hours, but otherwise, if it's just you know if you're in a more exploratory or prototyping phase, that's just uh, not yeah, constructive.
2: For me, I think the uh, the length of time uh, is really in, impacted by how extreme uh, what you're doing. you know if you're cutting out weekends, if you're if if it's like multiple hours every day, so sleep is starting to get affected then it has to be an incredibly short amount of time. If we're talking about it's uh, a couple of days a week with some additional hours, then I think that can run. Uh, but even that starts to have a toll. It might be like, hey, it's only a couple of hours, you know, a few hours on a few days. But that starts to affect people as well. So I do. I think there's a kind of, there's probably some kind of uh, mathematical equation we could come up with. Uh, but um it's uh it, it always it always starts having an impact, I think, um eventually for sure.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think like I've seen so what I've seen, for example, for me personally, uh when I tend to go into that kind of mode, uh well, most of the times, first of all, is is sort of self-inflicted, which I, I guess I don't know, maybe it says something about me, but Usually, it is in the form of like after after work, I just have something in my head that I have ups- that really, really bothers me. so and I start working, right? And it's like uh, maybe one or two hours. And that it sounds like a paradox, but that doesn't really doesn't have a huge impact on me. the The problem for me usually is when, it's at the end of a working day, and the working day has to be extended. That's where I start to make like the stupidest mistakes. It starts to be so counterproductive um, that it's really, really. That to me is really when bad stuff happens. And I've seen bad stuff happen. You know, when you you start having this cascade of of bugs that start getting in. Um, and that's when it becomes uh, counterproductive, and I think it it happens actually quite a lot. Like I, I I don't know I've seen I've seen the work of people really degrade uh, just after you know one week of of putting extra time. Um, so yeah,
1: how much extra time are we talking about here? Because I think there's a dif- difference if you like doing. Uh, you know, 14 hours a day, or if you do it like two extra hours a day, I think then you can do it longer. But what do you think? I among... was thinking
4: more of the 14 hours. Like, that okay, that's, where,
1: the crazy one. okay. that's the crazy one. That's yeah. the ugly one. <laughs> yeah,
4: Where it starts to break down really, really fast. Yeah. Uh, the problem of the two hours is that very often you don't even notice, right? There are people who put a lot of like, you know, routinely like extra hours and you don't notice it until it turns out that they're really burned out, uh, which is awful as a, as a colleague to see that.
3: I do want to add one thing because um, we're talking about crunch in general, but I guess with our conversations for zero in most, mostly on game development and, and delivering games, shipping games uh like brinley said earlier it's uh, getting better compared to previous times but also our industry changed so much we used to have this massive amount of crunch uh, for months and then you ship a game you throw it over the fence it's done you go gold it's pretty much done and then the entire studio goes in a long vacation just to recover and have a nice sleep now you know games have live services this is our tool to interact with with our players post launch so you can't just throw something over the fence and leave it's, you know, it's continuous. So that's why it needs to be short, smart, sweet.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're having to do, I mean, that's so true about the, the going into the kind of the live and especially if your release has problems, then, you, you know, I think if you are doing a live game to try and engineer some kind of lull, like going from the kind of the final intensity thing to get into cert, then some kind of lull before you actually launch. Otherwise, it's a proper death march, I think, you're going to have on your hands there. yeah, not so good. Uh, uh, Frank, w- was an element of your question as around, as also on like port, like the, the gap in between, like recovery time?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, just you know, how long should it be? And, and somebody said like a week or two, I think that depends on if you're doing yeah, the 14, 15, the ugly, that should yeah. be short. If you're doing it two, three hour, maybe you can do it, from my personal view, it's like five, six weeks, maybe. But it has to be very clear, and, and and then the recovery time, and as I said, I, from my personal view, I don't think you should do too many crunches, because then the crunch should be a special occasion, um, just, you know, task, uh, it's clear deadline, but minimum, uh, you should have uh, maybe one or double the time of the crunch as between crunches. If you have done six weeks, you have a six weeks, to next crunch, if you're in the crunch kind of a company, yep. um, and... And just giving back, you know, back on that, you know, that you, as you said, people burning out. I've been, mean, I've been a manager in different companies and, and I think still management needs to be really, I mean, it's easy to say, we well, let's do a crunch, let's go. And then just, you know, sit in your office and hope for something happening. I mean, you need to be super involved and I think you should involve the whole company, HR, receptionist, you know, you know, supporting with, you know, whatever pizza, have some breaks, you know, watch a movie, but I mean, I'm just making fun because it's, it, because you, you, if you take care of the people, whatever you know works for that company. Because if 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 the crunch is only for you know developers or something, it should be a company thing. Everybody should feel the stress and also helping to support whatever way they can. If it's picking up pizza or I mean I'm just making up some crazy stuff, but everybody should feel the crunch.
2: Uh, it's not crazy stuff, Frank. I'm people today don't know how lucky they are with things like Deliveroo. Like back back in the day before that. I used to have to march down the street to like a Nando's, which is like a chicken restaurant we have in the UK, and buy like 30, 40 chickens and then carry it all back. And then they'd normally be missing food. And I, the amount of times I didn't eat dinner because you make sure that they ate. Yeah. Oh, Deliveroo. I wish that was around 15 years ago. That would have been
3: great. So, so, sounds a little bit like back in my days.
2: <laughs> yeah. don't know
3: how good they have it today. Oh,
2: no, I'm, I'm embracing that I'm old now. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> But um, I guess you know. So your question was when it's when it's you know okay and for how long to have a crunch. We don't we didn't talk too much about when it's okay in our opinion, you know, when to have a crunch and and you touched a bit upon it earlier. Like you know maybe it's GDC or something. Although you know GDC is kind of every year same date. E3 is kind of every year same date. But I think especially us working with a you know heavy creative environment, sometimes things just don't just don't come together. And when they do, it's usually a bit late. everything comes together and you just wish you had that a little bit more time. Now those are things I think aren't usually planned. You can always take buffers as as a manager of a team or a project, uh, which is smart to do, but it's a little bit tougher at times to justify. But i think that's when it's you know acceptable and oh shit you know if this game is is really good and it would have been great if it had uh, whatever feature instead of oh we'll never ship this year so let's ship this year
2: i would say sometimes it's out of our hands as well even if we're like the, you know the top people on the project there can be other forces especially if you work at a big corporation and it comes down from above and you have to work out a plan for doing it so uh it's not always just bad planning on the project. It is sometimes just an additional thing that's turned up, uh, which is I, I, yeah, the worst. I would industry.
4: also add. I would also add that the games industry still hasn't found a production method that is really consistent. Like if you look at how movies are made or TV series are made. They have they have it down to a science, right? I mean, they have really really tight, uh, really established production. Uh, e- even when you look at the roles that they have, like the roles are not as as varied as the ones you see in the in the games industry. Um, and I don't know if that's a, even a solvable problem, but it is something that I think contributes to these. To this issue, actually, I don't even know if it's a problem because maybe having that kind of tight, really, uh, you know, uh, I, I I don't know if it would work with video games, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a pe- peculiarity of our industry that makes everything uh, harder. Um, and and speaking of which, by the way, I also want to say that I feel I hear a lot of. Um, you know people talking about how the bad it's in the games industry but to be fair not that it doesn't justify anything right i'm just making a comparison like in general i've seen that other industries like for example when i when i worked in marketing uh, like ask someone who works at an agency and they will tell you that what you think is crunch that's their normal life mm. and that is awful right but it just to put some some context into, into things.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think people do feel that we're kind of unique, but actually, every I mean, yeah, it's not. a couple of industries and there's always that, like, yeah. I, uh, Ask lawyers, you know. <laughs> lawyers for sure. I mean, they do get paid a lot of money. Um, I do think pay is an important factor. I guess um, VFX industry is relatively similar, like some of the stuff, and they do enormous amounts of additional hours uh, to get those films done. Uh, and they, but they do get paid a heavy premium. And I think that, it, you know, paid overtime is still sadly rare in games, and it isn't uh, paid, I th- don't think, at the right premium. You know, where's the kind of time and a half, two times, uh, for that kind of additional work? So
3: it, so then it's that it's pay. Do we just solve the problem of <laughs> the <this> industry? <laughs>
1: I don't think because pay doesn't solve the sleeping no, issue. Exactly. Uh, so I mean, I think you should be compensated. I mean, it, either it's pay. Some people like money, or some people want extra vacation, so they can, instead of the two weeks they get four weeks. That I think you can tailor made for whatever person. Uh, if you're if you're a family person, maybe you want extra pay uh, vacation to be with your kids because you miss that. Or if you're you know have no kids, you just want to go extra money. I think it's you can solve it. Uh, it should be compensated because the company are using you. But then I think also, there's a limit. I mean, uh, you know, 14 hours, yeah, you can do it one day, maybe two days. But that's, 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 that's actually then you don't have any team next year. I mean, that's it's bad
2: management. Mm. And actually, it's an interesting thing with games. Uh, it's You want people to stay at a studio because of learning the internal tech. The skills aren't so transferable. So if you're a manager of a team, you definitely want to retain them. I think if we do look at some other industries, it is easier to move around because you are doing exactly the same job somewhere else on another project. Whereas, no, that person learnt our our weird level design pipeline and it takes six months for someone to train in that. You lose that person, that's a huge cost for you. Yeah.
0: Brilliant, brilliant, fascinating discussion so far. Uh, let's change direction uh, ever so slightly then. Uh, Laza, do you want to ask your question next?
3: Yep, sure thing. I've I've actually went a bit the opposite with my question. So there's, we're talking about the pressure on the individual with very short deadlines and um, crunch. But is there such a thing as a similar pressure with no deadline, with no ship date inside, for example, because I've experienced myself teams that were like, you know, we're going to ship when we're ready. Maybe it's 2024 or 2026. Kind of endless. It feels like you're endless in that exploration phase, and that made some individuals in the team extremely, yeah, feel a lot of pressure.
4: So uh, as someone who works with prototyping, I have to i have to intervene here uh, yes deadlines are deadlines are necessary in my opinion and they are i mean to me they're such a fundamental thing because every time i like the worst stressful miserable periods i've seen uh, you know it's it's when people it's when people do exploration in a completely you know, in complete freedom. I just don't think that humans work that way. Like, I don't think that humans function in that way. Uh, I think that deadlines, and I would say, even in the most experimental and free form, creative space, uh, structures are extremely important to, to make people productive, to make people happy, and to feel that they're working towards something. So yeah deadlines are awesome whether you <laughs> whether you feel that or not
2: uh, I agree I mean I think let's say we it's it's not prototyping you're coming onto a you know you've joined a team it's a tr- more traditional product and it's going through the phases but is that maybe the attitude of the people running that team are like it'll be ready when it's ready uh, doing a project is like a race, right? It's that kind of marathon thing. If you know, I know how I feel at these different points and the energy I have left. And if you don't know how much energy you can put in because you don't know how long it's going to be, it's very hard. Uh, And if you're, that uncertainty, I think creates a lot of stress then uh, on you as well as the physical exhaustion you can end up with if it doesn't, if it doesn't end. I mean, I've worked with people who love, absolutely love prototyping and are happy never to make a game are happy to just be in concept forever but they're they're the minority really most people want to take it through there's a pleasure in going through the phases and ultimately have someone play the thing rather than a document that sits on a hard drive I mean that's where you want to get to Uh, so yeah if you can't see that that end goal I think it is very stressful.
3: Anything you'd like to add,
1: Frank, or otherwise I can I can just give my, my no, I, two cents. Yeah, I just completely agree. I mean, it's 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 that may be the good or the bad and the ugly. I mean, you need deadline is good, but it's bad and it's it's ugly sometimes. But it's, it's man, you need to manage the deadlines. I guess that's yeah. the summarize of the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess
3: my question was, you know, targeting a few different answers. One is zoning in exactly on what the problem is because target having a target or a deadline or a vision or too much to work in too little time maybe it's not a problem you know maybe it's it's something else and there's no blanket solution for everyone there's different people I've, I've worked personally with different people some are creators are really really good at the beginning most most you know thrive during production and some are closers they do really good under pressure and under production under fire so there's no like um, you know you know, you've been stressed, you've been burnt out. Let's never have deadlines. That that extreme is not good.
0: <laughs> okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, so, Ferruccio, let's move on to your question then, please.
4: Yeah, so my question is a bit, uh, yeah, so bear with me, okay? It's one of those awful questions with a premise. So, um, so aside from overtime, there is a sneakier form of crunch that happens when developers routinely work extra hours without reporting them. Because eventually, producers and management end up considering that productivity level as the norm. And in other words, what is considered normal productivity gets progressively pushed upwards and it results in more overtime to even get to that normal level. Uh, so you know, it's the typical case where it's like, but you know, you always work, you know, you always produce so much when it's actually been because of uh, over time. So I think many companies and teams end up in this situation without even noticing, um, and and it's extremely hard then to reverse. So has it happened to you? What does your company team or team does to address this issue? Is it something that you recognized?
2: Yeah, I mean, so we have kind of quite old school timesheets at Avalanche because uh, sometimes people work across projects and uh, need to kind of assign them. And uh, any overtime um, when it's done has to be, authorized there has to be budget for it and then it's kind of allowed and put in however sometimes you do see it when you go through a finance you see these unauthorized additional hours appearing and then you can kind of talk to that person find out why that happened and explain it however that entirely relies on people being honest which when they're doing what you're kind of talking about they often aren't because they think they're doing the right thing right they don't want to put those extra hours in so they just put their eight hours a day in so then, I think you need that human element, the management element of whoever their line manager is, whether it's the producer or their discipline lead or some kind of graph lead, keeping an eye on things because normally you can spot it. You know, you're, if it is harder though in our current uh, paradigm of uh, working from home, absolutely, it's impossible. In fact, to know what people are up to, really. Uh, in terms of overwork, I guess we could check perforce logs and things like that. But when we're in the office, keeping an eye on people, starting to see if someone's lagging, Uh, if you have those one-to-ones with people, shows the real importance of that. That's where you might, you spot it. You sort of go, hang on, there's something up. You can feel that they're starting to get frayed. So I think with all the systems in the world, the only thing that can really uh, sort of defend against it is good man management.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's um, <clears throat> it, it absolutely happened. I've, I've seen it happening as well, and and you touched a bit upon it now, really, with in today's environment, you know, over the couple of, last couple of years we were from home, it's getting harder and harder to separate between the two, what's work, what's home. And it used to be a hard cut. Even if you do overtime, you leave at 8 in the evening, but, you know, your commute home is your cool-down period. And then you're home, you know, it's different, even if you work afterwards as well. But now it's probably even a bit harder. So this uh, type of situation can happen quite a lot. And it just creates, like you said, it creates this unrealistic expectations of what a team can and cannot do, only sets the team up itself for failure in the future and and yourself as a team manager for failure as well, because you can't deliver um, on false positives. But um, I think that it comes down to us whoever's managing the team, if you're more junior, if you team members or if you manage the entire project, and just building in your buffers, uh, be it that it's buffers when you estimate or buffers when you uh, do the planning or, you know, even do it super transparent with the team and say, you know, you're the specialist. You say it's going to take you a day, but, you know, I'm going to put a day and a half because life happens. It's not, it's not that I don't trust you, but life happens. Sometimes you get sick. Sometimes we have, you know, we don't know what's happening really and we need to have more meetings just to clarify it so and, and I, there was another point earlier about you know how uh, crunch is a failure of management and sometimes you can't avoid that failure simply because of the pressure and the culture from even up top even if we're senior in the project there's always someone more senior but i think on that it's regardless of however paid how much exec uh, is or whoever Uh, there's no one that knows the project better than you so if you say it's going to take 100 days it's going to take 100 days because that's how it is you know you you manage the team so it's all about i guess confidence and uh, being smart so you can deliver and not setting the team up for for failure always building your buffer and let life happen
4: yeah I think I think I asked because i i I haven't ever met a producer who hasn't seen this kind of mechanism, and I've never met anyone who actually has a realistic solution apart from as you said, putting putting a buffer like they tell you this this thing is gonna be ready in three months, then yeah, it's gonna be four or five, you know um which is which is not easy and and on the other hand, uh I also recognize that's that's what I do all the time, like every time I mean not all the time, especially when in certain phases of a of a project, I get uh to the point where I'm having so much fun creating and doing things that I do it uh almost without noticing because I'm like, oh, let me open the engine and just do this small thing and I want to try to see, you know, what happens if I change this into that, and uh, I never report that work ever. I just <laughs> don't even think about it. But I recognize also, like, I get a special sense of dread when I see those commits from like some programmer at two at night, and I'm like, what the hell happened there? Like, why, why is he pushing that? You know, at two at night. So. Yeah so I've seen it from the like I see I see it from the systemic level but on a personal level I don't even know like if they really forced me to um time you know the time signal everything I don't know if I would be happy about it which I guess makes me a hypocrite I don't know
2: I think um there's another kind of production element there where we producers need to protect protect Uh, creative people against their worst uh, instincts, right? What you're talking about there. So uh, if you bigger picture, like if you're trying to get your game through pre-production into production, if it was left to certain people in the team, they would never leave pre-production and they would just keep going and trying and because they're so passionate, they want to get it just right. So making sure that we know we're going to end it now that we're going to come back to it uh i think can help with this a little bit as well where we're kind of moving people through the phases so they're they're almost forced to leave certain aspects of the game and have to move on to the next part um feels harsh um i was also thinking coming back to what we're talking about right at the beginning about the cultural elements i think if we're talking about people feeling they should crunch i think as leaders kind of instilling a, a culture where it's it's not a cool thing. It's not something to brag about. Um, you know. So when we do it, we just do it secretly and don't tell anyone about it. But uh, no, it, it has to come from the top down. And that can even be, I mean, I've had it, I'm bad at answering emails late at night, because especially it's on your phone. And uh, I'm now much better, like holidays and things. I just delete the apps. That's my solution for it. I delete them all. And that means I can't do it. Uh, but I think that that's that's probably puts pressure on not, not not supposed to be but if suddenly you get your manager messaging you at 11 at night you think oh he's working should I be working oh no uh you know And I, my brain the way it works sometimes things pop in and uh, I have to write I just have to write the message and not send it now that's my new thing is to kind of like send it in the morning but write it so I don't lose it uh so that's the solution there
1: I think you're just touching on a very good thing. There's leading by example. I think, I mean, as a manager, it, I mean, I, I get stuff like oh, 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock. So this is super interesting. And then I just write the email, put it on, on, on delay send in the morning. And uh, and, um, and actually on vacation, I do the same thing. I actually go old school. I don't check my email, no apps. You have to text me with SMS uh, if you want to reach me. And then, you know, you better be a fire going on at the office. Um, but I'm also then you have to be, you know, the responsibility manager for your people as well. I mean, I had a, a couple of people that actually thought it was cool not to take vacation, and you know, in Sweden we have five to six weeks, and I basically forced them. And you can do that by law; just you need to take vacation, and 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 we will not disturb you because if you don't do it, you're gonna crash. And it's like ah, I just took one week last year. I mean, that's not cool. That's just stupid. Um, and then as a manager you need to push that and also going into the overtime go easy said, on them in case they're watching no no, no but i think it's 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 super important and 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 overtime i mean i get crazy you know going to like one two o'clock at night and then but i should i, I try to do that at home actually i try to leave in decent hours and then i i do it sneaky if, if i need to or want to but if if i'm sitting it to the office to 10 o'clock i set a standard that everybody should be there and that's actually leading by example going back to you I think you need
3: to do yeah very good point and also agree um both of you and leading by example and it's not even sometimes you know you send an email and you don't get anything back but the things you can't see is that you've put that person in that mental state they're you know with this office they're reminded about all the work and all that and they everybody needs the some time to cool off and have that work-life balance and so yeah definitely
4: yeah, I, I would also I, I also want to um, stress like what what he said, uh, Frank about the I think it was yeah, about the culture in the sense of like people bragging, and having so I I have seen both sides. I've seen the um, very traditional gaming culture uh quite a few years ago I, I i worked in an environment where it was really like the most stereotypical you know 98 guys nobody over 30 kind of company uh which was um how can i say it interesting but i think the 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 things are kind of connected right when you have when you have that kind of culture where it's like you know uh, lots of uh, alcohol and lots of like uh, blending of of personal life and work. Um, then it becomes like, you know, the, the bottle stories about that time that we stayed until four and then we just slept under the desk and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it kind of feeds on itself because then it becomes really like a badge of honor that you you're always working and all that stuff. And I think long term, especially, is really, really destructive. And, and, and I have to say, I don't think that culture is so prevalent anymore, at least in Sweden. I don't know if you, uh, like I've seen, I've seen quite, like on the cultural change, I've seen change that change really, really hard um, and really fast in the past few years. So I don't know if it's been your experience as well.
3: Yep, same, same. Yes. Basically, um, social and work intertwine, and then your life becomes your work. And then yeah, everything you would do in your private life, you end up manifesting that work, which is unhealthy.
1: And that actually was kind of a challenge, I guess, for a lot of people working from home now, where you, you know, the computer is always on. And I actually <laughs> went so far as I closed down and put my completely office in in a, in a storage room on Friday, uh, Friday night. And then I picked it up Sunday evening. I was cheating a little, but still I, I want to make a weekend out of it uh, just to, you know, don't sneak in. There's like cheating on the, on the kids when, you know, work and, um, but it's tough when you're working from home, I think.
2: I was just thinking, I think there is a demographic change as well in the industry that the industry is growing, is growing up, right? It's got older people in it. I mean, quite the people that started this industry, Are still in it. I mean, that's how young it is. Uh, And I think now so many more people have children and families that makes a difference. Uh, So, yeah, sure, there's still lots of young people coming in every year, uh, but they're also, I think, maybe (laughs) smarter than we were when we started. Perhaps, perhaps,
4: I don't know i'm also i'm also really curious to see if we will ever get to the point where eventually we will have like you know teams where you know where nobody's younger than 50 and i i would be super super eager to see what kind of games such a team make and what would be the culture because maybe you know when you're a bit older you have more free time the kids are grown up maybe that's where you get back into that kind of culture you just burn to the you know to the end
3: uh, Space Invaders and Pong live service.
4: Sign me up. Uh, that sounds pretty awesome, actually.
1: <laughs> I actually had a little esport kind of a quiz game at the lecture I had today where I took kind of a mobile version of a, a, a Pac Man when I had questions about esports and playing it around. So it was kind of a retro thing because there is no esport people and they were all like, you know, around 50s. So I guess that was a proper game. But it's interesting, as you say, because I was we used, used to working in a couple of recruitment companies before as well, uh, and uh, there is a kind of a on a very general b- basis, like when you're younger, like, you know, you know, in the 80s to 25 is a lot about career and making money and, you know, and then you come into kind of a family life balance, and then you get over like 45, 50, whatever the kids getting grown up where I'm actually at now. Uh, there's a hunger again, because it's, I mean, they are taking care of themselves. And, and, and I think in, in a lot of countries in the world it, it's it's easier, but in Sweden, we kind of uh, age uh, discriminating for older people because they're kind of done. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm 50 years old and I've been 20 years in the online business and, and five years in e and I'm, I've never been hungrier and, and, and I'm super energized. And and uh, I'm happy that a company that actually signed me on for being kind of a, the granddad, because I learned a lot every day and I hopefully I can share some knowledge To the ones I think we talk about gender mixture, I think it's all going to be an age and a culture, everything, because there's older people, you know, that have a lot of experience, have done a lot of these failures before, so we don't have to do them. So I think that's, I don't know if it's a typical Swedish thing, but I think we are more age uh, sensitive or or in Sweden than in other countries, because they look up to the older people. I want to challenge that one as well, the team. You know?
4: Yeah, I think it's a it's a bit of a intersection because Sweden is a little bit like that, and the games industry is a lot like that. So, ageism in the in the games industry could be probably a four hours podcast because it's one of those, pro, like it's one of those issues that is huge and really really not talked about. So, maybe maybe food for for a future podcast,
1: Jordan.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think um, I, I love getting topics from podcast guests because it makes me and us stay the most relevant that we can be. So I'm, I may have taken notes on the, on that, definitely. Um, and I think it's a good one to revisit 100%. Um, but for this podcast, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Brinley, Ferriccio, Frank and Cyprian for providing their insights into the topic and thank you everybody for listening. If you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at jordan.lound at nordicscom and we will see you next time.